I'm Laura Henson with Jay Proctor Farms in Lingaville, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Kerry Martin. Hello, Texas. I always appreciate you taking time to join me for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, Texas cotton farmers have put the pedal to the metal. Planters have been rolling and they've made great progress on getting this crop in the ground. And while cotton planting is rolling forward, the corn crop is up, growing, and in Central Texas, it's tasseling. We'll take a look at both of those stories coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. We've seen some pretty significant rains around the Texas High Plains lately. However, other aspects of our weather haven't been as beneficial. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. As record U.S. beef exports are anticipated again in 2022, Texas agricultural organizations and Texas beef producers continue making huge contributions to exports around the world. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have comments from the president of the U.S. Meat Export Federation on Texas Ag Today. As we approach summer in Texas, some of our gardening chores could be challenged by the weather. Please join me, John Begnaud, as we talk about gardening and landscaping in Texas. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Texas cotton farmers made quick work of getting the cotton crop in the ground over the past week. That's according to the latest Crop Progress and Condition Report released this week. It shows cotton planting here in Texas now at 60% complete. That's well ahead of last week's 44% complete. Corn planting wrapping up here in Texas. We're 94% done on getting the corn crop in the ground, while sorghum planting now stands at 81% complete. The report also contains crop condition ratings. The corn crop now rated 28% good, 43% fair, and 29% poor to very poor. In central Texas, the corn crop is looking fairly good, especially considering the lack of rainfall this year. That's according to Ron Joyner. He's a field agronomist for Pioneer. He works a territory from Waco down to New Braunfels and over to College Station. He says the corn crop in that part of the state has developed quickly this year. So, you know, it's, it's interesting because I was checking the GDUs and we're, we're quite a bit ahead of uh, years past. So to your point, we are at a level of maturity in that crop that's a little bit further down the road. It's very interesting because it has fared pretty well for the drier conditions that it's been through. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to tell the guys that it's going to be a fantastic crop, but I think uh, I think probably overall we're probably in for about an average crop. We had a lot of issues with getting uh, uh, stands to where they were uh, 
uniform coming up and that doesn't matter which company it doesn't matter if it's pioneer or anybody else and that's going to probably hinder our top end yields but we do have some fields that show a lot of promise and at this point in the growing season joiner says the final yields are up to mother nature if we caught a couple of timely rains and we can catch a few more here uh, it's interesting in corn what happens two weeks before tassel and two weeks after dictate a whole lot of yield so we still have some potential to have a decent crop uh, i don't think it's going to be a bumper crop like it was last year but uh, i think we do have we do have some good things ahead luckily we've got some prices that will help us if we if we make an average crop pioneer field agronomist ron joiner wheat harvest is picking up the pace according to the report it shows 22 percent of the texas wheat crop now out of the field that's right on pace with the 23 percent five-year average however the condition ratings on the wheat crop continue to look dismal just as they have all year long the latest crop ratings show 5% of the Texas wheat crop rated good, 15% rated fair, and a full 80% of the Texas wheat crop rated poor to very poor. Recent storms have brought much-needed rainfall to the Texas High Plains, but James Hunt tells us those storms have brought mixed results. Rain showers remain a hit-or-miss proposition around the Texas High Plains, but one area that got a nice boost lately is Lubbock County, where a big downpour occurred last week. Some locations in Lubbock County received as much as four inches. The lowest amounts I've heard have been about a half inch. But for the most part, that was a fairly even, good, widespread rain event. That's Lubbock County Extension Agent Brant Baugh. The event Baugh just described highlighted a good month overall for the Lubbock area, with the National Weather Service reporting the city's official precipitation total for May at 3.58 inches. That was 89 hundredths of an inch above normal for Lubbock, ending a miserable streak of eight consecutive months of monthly totals below normal. I'm talking strictly for Lubbock County, but everybody's attitude has changed, and I'm looking forward to another good cotton year. But the weather has not always been as kind everywhere. Up around the Dumas area, Moore County Extension agent Marcel Fischbacher says going by how AgriLife's own test plots are looking, cotton may be in for a struggle. It just seemed like it came out slower and maybe possibly some of the rain that we got, especially earlier with the hail and stuff, kind of fluctuated the temperatures and also the wind's been very challenging for a new crop to establish. The temperature swings Fischbacher referred to include recent days with high temperatures 20 degrees or so below normal and other days about the same amount above normal. Fischbacher says if cotton doesn't make in his area, sorghum looks to be the replant option of choice. Guys are hopeful about the uh, sorghum silage crop as it being very profitable. As you know, most all the prices are quite high. A lot of demand for silage, especially from our dairies. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. U.S. red meat exports set a record last year, and we're off to a good start here in 2022. Tom Nicoletti has more from the recent U.S. Meat Export Federation meeting in San Antonio. My guest today is Dan Hallstrom. He is president and chief executive officer of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. U.S. MEF uh, held its uh, spring conference uh, recently in San Antonio, and I caught up with Dan. And Dan, uh, coming off 2021, uh, which was uh, a record year for red meat exports uh, out of the United States around the world, what is uh, 2022 looking like uh, as we uh, head uh, into the middle part of the year? Yeah, Tom, I think that uh, first quarter is off to a really good start. 
part, especially on the beef side. We're uh, looking at about 6% growth on the volume side and 40% or so on the value side. But the real encouraging thing is it's broad-based growth. It's not just one market. Probably the most exciting market percentage-wise has been China. We continue to see increased business for U.S. beef into China. But you've also got Korea. You've also got markets like some of the Latin American markets as well. The Caribbean, Taiwan, the Middle East. All of these markets are showing some pretty good momentum. So we're already forecasting a new record for this year as well, albeit at a slower rate of growth. Now, uh, Texas uh, producers, uh, specifically beef producers, this being the number one uh, beef producing state in the United States, certainly playing a huge role in uh, the exports across the world. Oh, without a doubt, yeah. The partnership with the uh, the ag organizations in Texas has been phenomenal for USMEF. We're so appreciative uh, from the decades of support. And of course, the backbone is the beef producers in, in the state of Texas. So uh, we couldn't do a lot of what we do without the support from the beef industry in general and Texas in particular. That is Dan Hallstrom. He is president and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The weather is presenting some challenges for Texas gardens and landscapes. Horticulturalist John Begno has more from San Angelo. Well, in many parts of Texas, we didn't really have a spring. It was hot, it was dry, and we talk about exceptionally hot. And this coming off of one cold spell, really cold spell in Texas, and a very dry Texas for most of it, have plants just kind of trying to figure out what going on. You may have noticed that some trees, for instance, don't have near the foliage they had last year because we had such a wonderful spring. Cool, wet, no challenges really, but this one has been really challenging. So what we do in the early part of summer coming up to prepare plants for the real doldrum hot summer days is important. First of all, don't forget landscape fertilization is not something you quit doing just because it becomes hot unless you don't have adequate water. If your water resources are challenged where you won't be able to water turf grass or trees making rapid growth because you fertilize them, then don't fertilize them. Wait till fall before you do that and conditions get a little better. Remember that there's all kinds of gardening maintenance chores, everything from sharpening your lawnmower blades to doing a little bit light pruning. And besides that, light pruning is something that can stimulate new growth in the summertime and it can be very helpful by directing the growth to where you want to go especially in newly planted plants. Deadheading those flowers so that they continue to flower is very important. We always get asked, well, should I stop planting new plants? And you know, there's never a bad time. They're just better times. You have to remember that as you're going into really warm days, maybe lack of rainfall, these plants may not want to grow. So if it's a permanent plant or a perennial plant, you might wait a month or two or into early September like trees and woody shrubs before you plant them. If there are annuals or perennials like, you know, lantana or yellow bells or things that you want for coloring your landscape, get after it because we can mulch those and we can water them frequently and they will perform good planted now, even in the dead of summer. This is John Begner reporting from San Angelo. To learn more about declines in the southern flounder population off the Texas coast, first, researchers must determine how many there are and how many are being harvested. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more on the research coming up on Texas Ag Today. And pulling and treating sick calves can be a challenge. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. 
This is Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I've spent the past 30 years covering Texas agriculture, so I know how stressful farming and ranching can be. Things like the economy, finances, and the weather increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. That's where the Texas Agri Stress Helpline comes in. Write this number down, area code 833-897-2474. That's 833-897-2474. If you cannot write it down right now, just remember you can go to farmlifehelp.com. That's farmlifehelp.com. Even the toughest people need help sometimes. Don't wait. Call today. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Pulling and treating sick calves can be a challenge. Dr. Bob Judd says another challenge is knowing when or if to retreat those sick pulls. Every retreatment adds additional stress on the calves and reduces profit for the owner. However, waiting too long to retreat can increase the number of sick calves. It is important to give the antibiotic used time to be effective, so we don't want to treat too early. However, some diseases do not respond to some antibiotics, and another antibiotic should be considered. Dr. Davidson indicates it can take up to a week for calves to clinically respond to the antibiotic, so it is difficult to determine when to retreat. A consultation with your veterinarian is helpful in determining retreatment times by getting their temperature and listening to their lungs. The days between treatment is called the post-treatment interval, and a recent study found that six to nine days was the ideal post-treatment interval. If the calf is treated too soon, it costs more money and more time, and also increases the stress on the calf, which further decreases immunity. Another concern is the judicious use of antibiotics. Antibiotic resistance is a major concern in our world today, and we all need to do all we can to use antibiotics responsibly. I know it is difficult to have a sick calf, and two days later, if the calf is not better, treating with another antibiotic is tempting. However, doing this will likely lead to antibiotic resistance on your farm, and this will make treating calves successfully more difficult in the future. We don't really have any new classes of antibiotics being developed. So we have to protect the effectiveness of the ones we do have now. Use a broad-spectrum antibiotic and always follow the label. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Researchers are studying southern flounders off the Texas coast. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's Wildlife Report. In an effort to better understand what is causing southern flounder population declines off the Texas coast, the Center for Sport Fish Science and Conservation has partnered with the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department to answer a question that must be answered first. Just how many southern flounder are there in Texas waters? Quentin Hall, Angler Engagement Coordinator and Research Specialist at the Center, said there are a lot of unknowns with southern flounder. Up until now, there really has not been a lot of focus on flounder because they're not technically considered a sport fish. And so we're kind of having to do some really basic research to even figure out how these fish 
uh, interact with the environment, what their young need to grow and survive. We're, we're having to get all this very basic information that we, you know, we had on redfish and trout 20, 30, 40 years ago, and then simultaneously try to figure out why they're declining. The researchers must also determine about how many flounder are caught by anglers each year. So they're meeting anglers at docks in the coastal bend to ask a few questions about their catch. Flounder, it's very complex. There are rod and reel fisheries for them, particularly in places like Galveston. But flounder gigging is obviously a very culturally important part of Gulf Coast life. And it's something that a lot of people do, myself included. But because it occurs at night and most of these state creeling surveys occur during the day, there's very little of any information on how many fish are actually being harvested. And it's very difficult for managers to, to figure out basically how many fish can be harvested from the population on a yearly basis because we don't really know exactly how many are being taken. The researchers will not be writing tickets or reporting anglers for their catch. The nighttime flounder surveys will take place through next year. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. Another higher day for the cattle complex on Thursday. We also saw a nice jump in wheat prices. We'll take a look back at all of Thursday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Another day of strongly higher prices for cattle futures on Thursday. A nice development with a big jump in both live and feeder cattle. June live cattle up 82 cents, 133.62. The August up $1.22 at 134.12. October live cattle up $1.72 at 139.62. Feeder cattle seeing a strong jump higher. August up 3.22 at 172.95. September feeders up 3. 107, 175.47. October feeder cattle up 290 at 177.67. One thing's for sure the futures market is not getting direction from the cash market. Cash fed cattle this week, two bucks lower here in the Southern Plains. We've seen most of our sales at 135 this week here in the South. Up north, dressed cattle have traded for 222. That's two bucks lower as well. Boxed beef prices mixed Thursday. Choice was down 67 cents at 266.75. Select up $1.28 at 250.19. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. It's time to talk to a livestock market operator. Let's choose a good one. Doug Bass, Cattleman's Brenham down in Washington County. Doug, how was your sale last Friday? We had a good sale, Mr. Larry. Had a little lighter run. We ended up 614 head of cattle. Yes, everybody getting ready for the holidays. I hope everybody had a good Memorial Day. But uh, we had a good run, good market, good steady market. Yes, sir. Walk the pins with us, please. Yes, sir. On your weighing cows, your thinner, lower-yielding cows, 28 to 58. Better high-yielding cows, 60 to 84. Thinner, lower-yielding bulls bring 80 to 87. Better bulls bring 90 to $1.12. Pair of cattle, we had a few pairs. Pairs bring nine to $1,200. Bread cows bring 700 
also to 1200 on the calf market calf market looked pretty steady the week before uh two three weight steers bring 135 and 180 peppers bring 132 to 174 three to four weight steers bring 130 to 180 peppers bring 127 to 169 four to five weight steers bring 120 to 180 peppers bring 123 to 190 five six weight steers bring 115 to 168 peppers bring 120 to 197 six to seven weight steers bring 110 to 156 peppers bring 112 to 148 seven eight weight steers bring a dollar to a dollar 40 peppers bring a dollar to a dollar thirty-four, and your eight hundred to a thousand pound steers and bull yearners bring eighty to one ten. Pepperettes bring eighty to one hundred six. What are you thinking for this week? I think we're gonna have a pretty good run this day. We've got quite a few calls, gathering some cattle up, filling some traps up already this week. Uh, uh, just got off the phone with a man out of Cossie, gonna send me a double load of some pretty good calves. Uh, I, I, the phone's ringing. I, like I said, I think we'll have a pretty good run. Yes, sir. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Doug Bass. Yes, sir. You can call me on my cell, which is nine seven nine eight seven seven four four five four. Or you can call us there. Doug, thank you. Neighbor, thank you too. I'm Larry Marble. I put this together. It's Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs finished mixed on Thursday. June hogs up 25 cents at 110.05. July hogs down 25 at 112.17. Class 3 milk mixed also. June milk down 14 cents, 24.31 a hundredweight. July milk up a penny at 24.71 a hundredweight. Big jump in the cotton market on Thursday. Some strong technical buying pushing prices higher. Traders continue to also watch the rain forecast for West Texas. And it looks like we haven't gotten as much rain this week as traders initially anticipated earlier in the week. So that caused them to push the new crop contracts higher as well. July up 305 points to close at 139.11. October up 215 at 128.75. December cotton up 167 points at 120.10. The corn market finished narrowly mixed. July corn dropped a penny, 7.30 and a quarter. September corn up a penny, 7.04 and three quarters. December corn up two and three quarters, 6.94 and a quarter. The wheat market saw a double-digit gain after big losses over the last couple of weeks. July Kansas City wheat up 15 and a quarter, 11.43 and a half. July Chicago wheat up 17 cents, 10.58 and a quarter. In the energy markets, July natural gas down 17 cents at 8.51. July crude oil up a dollar 52, 116.78 a barrel. The financial markets higher Thursday afternoon. The Dow was up 329 points, 33,142. The Nasdaq up 280 at 12,274, while the S&P was up 63 points at 4,164. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.